Log Talk Radio. Hello, folks. This is Carl. It is the uh, last day of the year, last show of the year. Uh, it is December 31st, uh, 2023, and uh, I want to start off, uh, first of all, explaining last week, if anybody was listening last week or tried to get on, uh, there was a a note on the uh, computer uh, early in the afternoon uh, that there was experiencing technical difficulties, and we couldn't do the show last week, just to sh- just to uh, make an explanation that if anybody tried to get on or listen, there was no show. I could not get on. I have the same sign on my uh, Freedomizer page right now, but last week I could not even connect with the phone. As soon as it connected, it disconnected, and uh, we just didn't do last week. So what we're going to do today we're going to do an hour and a half, and I'm hoping this is that we're on. Um, we are uh, going to give it every attempt and continue now with the cross of Christ, which is where we have been for quite a period of time, and we're going to continue being uh, in that particular uh, area because that is, as I've been saying, that is the ultimate pivotal point of all of human history and what we do you and I individually in Hebrews it says there is appointed a time for man to die and then the judgment and then the judgment now I know that denominations throw that all around and they talk whether we're in a deep sleep or this and that here I'm just going to tell you I believe it's Hebrews 9.22 there is a time appointed once for man to die and then the judgment the very Jesus Christ that we either accept or reject in this lifetime is going to now turn from the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He is going to turn 100% into the judge. He is going to judge us for every action, good or bad, done in the body. What you and I have done with the cross of Jesus Christ, and we put our faith 100% in his sacrifice or not, have we rejected it? Have we been been to the point we didn't care? Have we uh, believed in it and then rejected it? As the parable of the seeds and the sower says, uh, this is going to be the ultimate question for all eternity. What did you do? cross of Christ. So, uh, one couple more things here. I want to state uh, we're going to uh, make it very, uh, very, uh, well, up on top of my screen it says we are currently experiencing an issue with our live broadcast system. Our engineers are working to fix the issue. Uh, I keep pushing the thing and next, but it keeps coming up. So we'll we'll just keep talking. Hopefully somebody call in. I'd love for someone to call, even if you have nothing to 
to contribute or ask just to let me know if we're on the if we're on the air. I don't know if we are or not, but I'm gonna keep going. Phone number to call is area code three one nine five two seven six two oh eight. Three one nine five two seven six two oh eight. And that is the phone number to call uh, from anywhere a landline, uh, or a a cell phone, anywhere in continental United States, it will be a free phone call. Just bear with me here a minute. I'm going to try something. Uh, Just give me a second. I'm going to try something here to find out if we are on the line or we are not. Just hold on. If anybody's listening, bear with me. I'm very slow when it comes to operating. To find out if we are on, I am going to have my wife give me a ring, see if she'll get the message. Let's see, it's 319, and then it's uh, 527. And then it is 6208, because I'd be honest with you, the machine is telling me that I'm not on the line. So just hold on a minute. And I appreciate you just being patient here while I do this to see if anybody can hear what we're saying. All right. Now I will go back here, and we will continue. As I say, the cross of Christ was where the price for sin was paid. The price for all sin was paid there. Only there. Only there. Not the cross of Christ plus your baptism by water, plus your religious works, your good works, your random acts of kindness, plus the money you give, plus your denomination, plus your spiritual gift. has nothing to do with it, folks. Do you believe that you were saved by the blood of Jesus Christ and only that takes your, washes your sins away? Let me read Ephesians 1, 7. It says, in whom we have redemption through his blood. This is talking Jesus Christ. In fact, uh, let me go back to verse 5 of of Ephesians 1. We have been predestined, he having predestinated us unto the adoption of children, by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise and glory of his grace wherein he has made us accepted in the beloved, in whom, the beloved, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our sins according to the riches of his grace. I'm going to go to... um, Revelation 1.5, I believe. Let me just read you these so you understand why I'm making the point for so long that I'm going to be making about the cross of Christ and your faith in it is going to determine where you will spend eternity. And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, and the first begotten of the dead, the prince of the kings of the earth, 
unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. Nothing to do with your church attendance, your good works, your random acts of kindness, your money you give, the work you volunteer doing. Do the work you do. Give the money you give. But only one thing washes you from your sins. That is what Jesus Christ has sacrificed on the cross 2,000 years ago and your faith in it. And just bear with me. We're going to get, we're going to get some more here. Just hold on. We're going to go to 1 Peter 1, and we're going to read 18 through 21. Peter 1, 18 through 21. As much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by traditions from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, who was for was verily foreordained before the foundation of the world, but manifest in these last times for you, who by him you do believe in God that raised him from the dead and gave him glory, that your faith and hope might be in God. All right, I'm going to do just a couple more here. We are going to go to... Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, we are saved by grace through faith, not our faith. If your faith is in your faith, your faith is in the wrong object. Our faith is in salvation by his grace and his grace and his love, infinite love, infinite grace. It would cause him to go to the cross for our salvation. So you see, it's your faith. And who has that faith got to be in singularly? 1 Corinthians 2, 2, where Paul wrote, I determined to know nothing but Jesus Christ and him crucified. Carl, okay. I'm Hello? Carl? Yeah, yeah, I got you. Okay, so I know I'm on, so this note doesn't mean anything. Okay. Right. Okay. Thank you. Thanks. Bye. Okay, folks, that was just my wife calling in to let me know that we are on the air, even though I've got this note on there, currently experiencing an issue with our live broadcast system. Our engineers are working to fix the issue, so I do know we're on. Thank God. Thank God, literally, that we're on. Okay. So let's just continue. Our faith. Paul said, the same Holy Spirit who inspired every other word in the Bible. When Carl asked the, the uh, rhetorical question, who are, it says we're to have faith. We receive salvation. We're saved by grace. But we're to receive this grace by faith. Faith in what? It could be in my religion, my denomination, the fact I speak in tongues, the fact I don't speak in tongues, the fact that I was baptized in water. There's innumerable, even in, in so-called Christianity, innumerable things that we hold on an equal level or a higher level than we do the blood of Jesus Christ shed at the cross 2,000 years ago. We actually elevate things 
making another god out of something we do or don't do, of course, that other people do do or don't do, to elevate ourselves. There is nothing. Hold on a minute. Hello there. This is Carl. May I help you? I've got a call here on one 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 one. Are you there? It's an internet call, but it doesn't appear that. Again, I'm gonna. I'm trying here. Is there anybody there who would like to speak? And feel free. We're we're gonna talk about the cross of Christ for a long time yet, because the whole Bible is about it, and uh, it's about His blood being shed for our sins. So I'm going to continue. This person, I uh, they haven't answered yet, but I'll just leave it on and let's see what happens. Uh, one thing I do know, I am getting, that's the second phone call I've gotten, so that's very encouraging. At least I know where we are on, and this message I've got up here is uh, erroneous. Okay, I'm going to go to Ephesians 1 and go 18 through 20. In Ephesians 1, 18 through 20, again, highlighting everything here on the single most important thing in human history for every human being who's ever lived since Adam and Eve, and that is the cross of Jesus Christ, is your faith for your salvation based on nothing but what he did when he died on the cross and shed his blood for our sins. Chapter uh, Ephesians 1, 18 through 20. The eyes of our understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead, and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places. The power of God that he towards us, according to the working of his mighty power, and that power was what he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead. That very same power of God to raise Christ from the dead will raise you and I from the dead. If our faith is in Jesus Christ and him crucified, add nothing, subtract nothing. In fact, we can go to Revelation 22, and uh, I'll I'll, I'll give you some of the last verses in the scripture that clearly state, add nothing, subtract nothing. Revelation 22, 18 I testify to every man that hears the words of the prophecy of this book. If any man shall add to these things, God shall add to him the plagues that are written in the book. If any man shall take away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life and out of the holy city and from the things which are written in this book. And this entire book is the gospel the gospel of Jesus Christ, this entire book, is your faith in the gospel of Jesus Christ, is your faith in the shed blood 
Please examine yourself, folks. There are numerous, numerous, numerous churches today that are not preaching the truth of the gospel of salvation is by grace through nothing more, nothing less than the cross of Christ and his shed blood and his voluntary sacrificing his life for us. Okay, I'm going to try this again, folks, on this one call. It looks like an Internet call. Let's see if we can get anybody on. Hello there. Can you hear me? It doesn't look like they want to come back, so we'll keep going. All right. I'm going to go to Galatians 2, and I'm going to read chapter uh, chapter 2, verses 21, and these are very logical statements. Galatians 2, 20 and 21. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now leave, live, I live in the flesh. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. In other words, died on the cross for my salvation. I do not frustrate the grace of God, for if righteousness come by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. Church you're going to, the seminars, the studies, the ones you're listening to like myself, are they preaching? It is only by the shed blood of Jesus Christ that you will be saved by your faith in it. It is nothing we do. That's what grace is. Grace is something that we can't earn, we can't merit, we don't deserve. It is God will only deal with us by grace, and that is we must accept his free gift. We cannot earn it. We can do nothing to keep it. It is strictly by God. You ask yourself, is your confidence in your faith, is your confidence in your faith in nothing but Jesus Christ and what he did at the cross when he voluntarily gave up his life to be the only human sacrifice that could be the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Ask yourself this, please. There are churches today, folks, that are preaching. I'm going to – I don't know a number. I've heard anywhere from 60 to 80% is what people's opinion are. I don't know how you could even gather a statistical figure on it that would uh, be credible. But most of the educated people today that do preach from the Scripture – are saying that 60 to 80% of the messages that are not, uh, that are preached today in sermons, in a service, as well as Bible studies, are not preaching from the truth of the scripture period. And they are making people be comfortable in their sin. And that is wrong. You cannot do that. You cannot be comfortable in your sin, that we are sinners. We were born. We inherited this sin nature from Adam and Eve. We were born with it. We cannot do anything to alleviate it. There's nothing we can do. There's no good works. There's no works of religion. There's nothing in the Bible that is a good thing that we can even do to eradicate the least 
sin that has ever been committed. It is only by the shed blood of Jesus Christ when he died on the cross at Calvary. And that is exactly what I what it means when we say the cross of Christ is your faith in nothing than what he did when he died on the cross. I want to go back and read that first Peter one eighteen through twenty one again. This to me says it so clearly and so easy and and so distinctly. You may not agree with it. You may say I'm not gonna believe it. You may say I don't care. It makes no difference to me. I don't believe in heaven or hell. I don't believe in God, but you can't say that it's not clear of what our faith must be in, the cross of Christ, and his sacrifice for us degree. That's what the Bible says. It says, for as much as you know, you are not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, which means religion. You could go to Mark chapter 7 and read about the first eight or nine verses in Mark chapter 7, and and Christ himself is talking about the vain traditions that they received from the fathers of religion, and they've rejected the very thing that the scripture was pointing to, and that is that he and he alone would be the one who would die for our sins, and only by faith in him would we have forgiveness of sin and redemption. So as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things of silver and gold from vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, who was verily foreordained before the foundation of the world, but manifest in these last times for you, who by him you believe in God that raised him from the dead and gave him glory that your faith and hope might be in God. Is our faith and hope in anything in addition to Jesus Christ and him crucified? Ask yourself, please. I'm not saying this to uh, present how holy I am or anything like that, folks. I am also. Remember I read Hebrews 9.22 where it says that there is appointed for man once a time to die and then the judgment. I I I am going to be subject to that 100%. That's what I'm saying. I am daily going through and asking myself, what am I adding to? Is there anything? Is, is doing 17 or 18 vital studies a week that I do with people, is that something that I am putting to a level? that I think that will balance the charts when I go to judgment. There is only one thing. There is infinite numbers of things we have done in the way of sin. You know, the, the old balance chart you make up on one side of the sheet, you put why you should do something on the other side, why you shouldn't. But uh, there, there, there's an infinite, infinite number of things of what we've done that have been sinful since our childhood, since we reached the age of reason, which that that fluctuates with each individual person. There's only one thing that we can put on the other side that says that we will go to heaven, and that is our faith in nothing 
but Jesus Christ and him crucified. And that's 1 Corinthians 2, too. I have to examine myself daily, and I do. When I say I have to, I do it because I very easily, being one who is brought up in a very, very uh, strict religious background, much more strict than the same denomination holds their people to today, much more strict, uh, I have to examine myself. Am I starting to get the point where I think anything I do is equal with what Jesus Christ did or needs to be added to the cross? Look at the things denominations believe in, that you must be baptized in water, and they're not bashful about that. And Roman Catholicism has believed, as far as I know, as far as I can remember in history, that for every sin there's a punishment and that you have to work off your punishment either on this earth or go to purgatory after you die and pay for that sin, those sins you've committed in the flesh in this life. And then once you've paid that price in purgatory, then you will go to heaven. No, your faith cannot be in anything in addition to what Christ did because you're saying that Jesus Christ has not done enough. And that's a heresy. You cannot do that. Christ has done it all. He has paid the price. Nothing that I can do can add to or take away from the total necessity and sufficiency of Jesus Christ and him crucified and my faith unequivocally in that. Nothing. Don't add anything to it. Don't subtract. Well, I've got a prayer life. I'm daily. I'm 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 weekly, daily. I'm, I'm I've I've started to develop a prayer life. That is fantastic, folks. Keep doing it. I've developed a Bible studying, and I'm doing it legitimately, and I'm doing it praying to the Holy Spirit for guidance. Keep going. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. That's Romans one. Uh, Hold on a minute. Romans ten seventeen comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Keep going. Keep doing it. But none of these things, folks, will add one iota. Nothing will add anything to the, your faith in Jesus Christ and him crucified. Neither can it. Because anything that I add to it is something that I've done, and salvation can only be done by God himself. That's why at the end of that first Peter 1, 18 through 20, and let me get there again. In first Peter 1, 18 through 20, the very last part of that says, 21, verse 21, who by him do believe in God that raised him up from the dead and gave him glory that your faith might and hope might be in God. Your faith and hope for your salvation is in God. If we add anything that we do, even biblical things that are good, like increased Bible study, increased uh, prayer life, they're great, they're good, they're biblically correct. You will gain rewards as a believer for having done these things. But you cannot equate them or Put them in this. You cannot equate them or lift them above 
your faith in Jesus Christ and him crucified, when you go to the judgment of Hebrews 9.22, you are going to be judged totally. Did you believe that Christ, did you believe that you were not redeemed with corruptible things of silver and gold or your vain conversation you received from your fathers, meaning religion, but you were redeemed with the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without blemish or spot, who was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but manifested in these last times for you, who by him you believe in God that raised him from the dead and gave him glory, that your faith and hope might be in God. Let me give you a little bit more here that says the same thing. We're going to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, and we're going to read verse 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 2, I determined to know nothing but Jesus Christ and him crucified. Verse 5, so that your faith would not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. When your faith is in Jesus Christ and him crucified, and you add nothing to it, subtract nothing. When your faith is only in the shed blood of Jesus Christ and him crucified, I know is what he did at the cross is in God. If we add anything to it, good things, biblical things that we are to do once we're saved, folks, you are making an idol out of something you're doing, and that is idolatry. We're making idolatry out of our denomination, our religion, our good works, the things we do, the things we don't do. Do the things you do. Don't do the things you're not supposed to do. But don't elevate that in your mind or anything that you do. Because you see, where 1 Corinthians 2, 2, I determined to know nothing but Christ and him crucified, so that my faith would not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. You see, if I'm putting my faith in anything in addition, in addition, anything, you see, where I elevating myself to a godlike level. Only thing, the only one that could do that was Jesus Christ. He paid the price. Okay, I'm going to go to First Galatians. Uh, no, Ephesians two sixteen. Just reading things where I've taken notes about the cross of Christ. It says, "Who has known the mind of God, the Lord?" that he may instruct him. But we have the mind of Christ. Philippians 2.5 is saying the same thing. We have the mind of Christ. And that only comes by the mind of Christ comes by your faith in Jesus Christ and him crucified. Because if your faith is in anything in addition to Jesus Christ and him crucified, being away from the cross, the necessity and the sufficiency of it 100%. You, you don't have the mind of Christ and you're not born again. You're not. All right, I'm going to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, and I want to read you verse 10 through uh, 10 and 11. According to the grace of God which is given unto me, as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, 
and other builds thereon. But let every man take heed how he builds upon it. For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 3.11. You can build on, you can lay no other foundation. That means your salvation. No man can lay that is that what is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Lay no other foundation. Don't add anything, any religious things, any good things, any good deeds, any good works. Don't take away from one, one bit of anything that is encompassed in by we're saved by grace through faith, not of works of our own, so no one can boast. Don't take away one bit of the pain and the suffering and your faith in Jesus Christ and him alone and his shed blood. It's stated in Leviticus 17.11. In fact, let me get to that. Leviticus 17.11. The flesh, the life of the flesh, meaning the life of the flesh, our body, is in the blood. I have given it to you. This is God saying this. I have given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement for your soul. For it is the blood that makes the atonement for the soul. Your faith can be in nothing but the shed blood of Jesus Christ, period. Period. All right. Let's see where else we can go here. And I do welcome anybody to call in on that number. And uh, you can ask questions. You can... uh, Discuss something you want to do, ask a question, or or state something. If you wouldn't mind, if you do do that, folks, uh, I just ask that you maybe try to keep it to the topic we're on. It just makes for continuity a little bit easier. All right, I'm going to go to Revelation, uh, Revelation chapter 5, and I'm going to read that one more time. And everything is going to be to the fact that the cross of Christ has got to be the only object of our faith. Now, I want you to understand this is a a view that John the Revelator is getting uh, on something that hasn't happened yet. And this is going to be when the judgment of God on the world comes at the end time for sin and unrepentant sinners. Okay, and this is talking about John saying, Uh, uh, an event that's happening in heaven where they are all those in heaven are looking for one person who is worthy to go open the book the book of the the seals of judgment uh, that must be opened and the judgment to happen that we read in the book of Revelation in the great day of wrath where God destroys sin and sinners and throws Satan, the Antichrist, the the false prophet, and and the devil are all thrown into the lake of fire, and that's Revelation chapter uh, twenty, I believe, verse fifteen. No, nineteen fifteen. Nineteen fifteen. It says here that uh, let me make sure. Hold on. Maybe it is twenty. Yes, it's 2015. I apologize. 
Revelation chapter 20, the great white throne judgment. That follows after the great day of wrath. The great day of wrath is when God judges this world and destroys all sinners in this world are destroyed. And the Antichrist, the false prophet, and Satan go into the lake of fire. And this event is looked at in verse 5 where John is getting a view of something in heaven that hasn't happened yet. And I'll read chapter 5 for you, and you'll see where the idea of the cross and what Jesus Christ did is the only thing that can save our soul or bring an end to sin. I saw in the right hand of him that sat on the throne a book written within and on the backside, sealed with seven seals. I saw a strong angel proclaim with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the book and to loose the seals thereof? This is, folks, these are the sealed judgments that are coming that you read about, the sealed judgments in the great day of wrath when God destroys all evil and all evil people. No man in heaven nor in earth, neither under the earth, was able to open the book nor to look upon it. And why? Because any human being who is born and died, even though they're in the presence of God, no one was worthy to open this sealed book and open the sealed judgments and end evil in the world because it required a man who had no sin. So just bear with me. And I wept much because no man was found worthy to open and to read the book, neither to look on it. And one of the elders said unto me, Weep not, behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof, the seals of judgment of the great day of wrath. And behold, and lo, in the midst of the throne, four beasts, and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb, as it if it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent forth into the into the, all the earth. And he came and took the book out of the right hand of him that sat on the throne, which is the Father. And when he had taken the book, the four beasts and four and twenty elders fell down before the Lamb, who was Jesus Christ, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book, to open the seals thereof. For thou wast slain, and hast redeemed us to God by the blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation. Let me repeat that again. Verse chapter Five of Revelation, and we're in verse 9. And they sung a new song, saying, Thou, speaking to Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, who was worthy to take the book from the Father that sat in throne and open it, and, and let the proceeds and let the judgment of the final judgment on the wrath of God begin. 
they sung a new song saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and open the seals thereof, for thou was slain, what he did at the cross, and has redeemed us to God by the blood, thy blood, out of every kindred, tongue, and people, and nation. That verse right there, Revelation 5, 9, unequivocally states that no no person has ever been or ever will be able to open the sealed judgments than the one who has redeemed us by his blood and he's redeemed people out of every kindred, every tongue, every people, and every nation by what? Their faith in Jesus Christ and him crucified, period, period, period. Do you believe that? Are you willing to accept that, that nothing can be added or subtracted from the blood of Jesus Christ? The cross of Christ is the central part of all human history. And behold, I beheld, I heard the voice of many angels round about the throne and the beasts and the elders, and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000. And thou and thousands and thousands. So multiply 10,000 times 10,000, and then add thousands and thousands. These are the people who have died and gone to heaven and saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive power, riches, wisdom, strength, and honor, and glory, and blessing. And every creature which is in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and such as are in the sea, and all that are written in them, heard I saying, blessing, honor, and glory, and power unto him that sits on the throne, and to the Lamb forever and ever. And the four beasts said, Amen. And the four and twenty elders fell down and worshipped him that lives forever and ever. Again, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ and him crucified, add nothing to it, subtract nothing. So when you go to your final moments on earth, your faith for your going to heaven is in nothing but what Jesus Christ did when he died on the cross. That's exactly the entire meaning when I say the cross of Christ. And why is your faith in Christ and him alone and what he did on the cross? So that your faith for salvation may be in what God did and nothing that you've done because you've done nothing for it. You and I are saved by grace. We're saved through faith. We receive it by faith. And it's, and that is we, we, we do everything we can to keep our faith in only Jesus Christ. If you're saved, you will do good works. That's stated in Ephesians 2.10. It's stated in Titus 2.14. We will do the good works. It's stated in 2 Timothy 1.7. We will do the good works that he has preordained for us to do if we follow him. But those are results of our faith in Jesus Christ and him crucified, plus nothing, minus nothing. Stay away from anything that may deceive you to think that you can add to or you can subtract anything 
other than the horrendous death of Jesus Christ and him at Calvary. Please examine yourself. I do this more than daily. When I do something and something works well, or somebody somebody told me today of the blessing that I've been to people in Bible studies, I got to be very careful. I acknowledge it. I thank them for it. I, I'm grateful to hear that. But I cannot think that anything I do is going to save anybody's soul, including my own, other than what my faith in Jesus Christ and him crucified, plus nothing, minus nothing. All right, we're going to keep going here. I'm going to go to Matthew chapter 5. And I'm going to read verse 48 and then 20 and 17. So I'm going to do a little reverse engineering here. Just bear with me. Matthew chapter 5. Okay, we're going to read verse 48. And then we're going to come down and read uh, 20 and 17. Verse 48. Even as your Father in heaven is perfect. Now just think of that. We're told to be perfect as our Father in heaven was perfect. That is impossible, you may say, and you're right. But God made a way or he wanted to put this in Scripture. So now I'm going to go to verse 20. And verse 20 is going to say, I say unto you, except your righteousness exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you will in no case enter the kingdom of heaven. So number one, it's saying in the Bible, I've got to be perfect as our Father is, heaven is perfect. And then verse 20 in chapter 5 of Matthew, as I say unto you, except your righteousness exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, meaning all religious effort, you shall in no case enter in the kingdom of heaven. Well, this presents an issue. This presents an issue. And Jesus Christ actually gives us the solution to that in, in Matthew 5:17. In Matthew 5:17, he says, from that time Jesus began to preach and to say, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And just follow me on this. Now we're going to go to Romans 8, 3 and 4, and we're going to read why it is the cross of Christ is the central part of human history, because we can't have the righteousness of God that is demanded for us to get to heaven unless our faith is in Jesus Christ and him crucified, plus nothing, minus nothing. So I'm going to go to Romans 8, and we're going to read 3 and 4. Romans. Romans 8, 3. What the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, meaning we can't do it, our flesh. We are not able to obey the law in our own strength. We can't. It says obeying the law, what the law could not do, and that it was weak through the flesh. There was the fact that there's a law. I can obey that law and, and do the right thing or refrain from doing the wrong thing for so long a period of time. But after, after that period of time, we all know that we all do give in to sin. What the law could not do, and it was weak through the flesh, meaning our human capability. God never gave us the ability to be righteous on our own. 
There's all religion, including much preaching in, in so-called Christian churches, I see lacking. And Bible studies, they're telling us we got to get better. We've got to do, we can't get better. The Bible says in the Old Testament, the sinner must die. In Romans chapter 6, let me read you what salvation is. Romans 6, 3, know you not that so many of us were baptized into Christ, were baptized into his death. We were baptized into Christ's death. Christ had to die on the cross. Symbolically, he died for us. And I shouldn't just say symbolically, but when he died on that cross, he took every sin and every sinner, and they died. They died. The, the sin nature in us died. And by faith in Christ and him crucified, God now gives us a new life, a new spiritual life. So again, Romans 6, 3. Know you not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death. Nothing to do with water. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death. And it's done by faith in his sacrifice at the cross. That like as Christ was raised up in the dead of, by the glory of the Father, even though we should walk in the newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, which is by faith in Christ and him crucified alone, we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him. The old man is dead. And that's what it said in the Old Testament. The sinner must die. There is no making a better person out of the sinner. And how can we die and yet live? Had to die for us. And when our faith is in his death alone, God then, by grace and by his infinite love, accounts us as being the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Is that making sense? We have now become the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Let me read 1 Corinthians chapter 5. And I'm going to read, oh no, 2 Corinthians 5. I apologize. Just bear with me. I'm going to read 2 Corinthians 5. And I'm going to read verse 21. He has made him to be sin for us who knew no sin. That's Christ. He, being God, has made him, Christ, to be sin for us. Meaning that even though he never sinned, he took all the penalty for our sin and he paid for it when he died. That we may be made the righteousness of God in him. I want you to hear that again. He has made him to be sin for us who knew no sin. That's Christ alone. That we might be made the righteousness of God in him. So we have the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ when our faith is in Christ alone. You see the significance, the importance, the mandatory faith that you have faith in nothing but Jesus Christ and him crucified. Don't pollute it or profane it with anything that man can do, including yourself or me. 
Now we go back to what we read in Matthew. And and now let me read that again, and it'll make a little more sense to you. We're going to start Matthew 4, 5, 48. Be you perfect, even as your Father, which is in heaven, is perfect. And you see in 2 Corinthians 5, 21, where it says that we may be made the righteousness of God in him, in Christ. In Christ, we have that righteousness. So when we died by faith into the death of Christ of Romans 6, 3, God now gives you the same righteousness and the same perfection as Jesus Christ had. That's a free gift if our faith isn't only in him. That's why I stress this, and I will. I'm probably going to go to springtime stressing all the verses relating to the cross of Christ. Nothing affects salvation. Nothing can affect your destiny where you're going to spend eternity other than what you do with the fact that Jesus Christ died on the cross and shed his blood for you. Now, I'm going to read also verse 17 of Matthew chapter 5. No, it wasn't 17, excuse me. Chapter 5 of Matthew, and uh, no, the verse, I, I, I'll be honest, I, I thought it, I had it here, but I don't. It's in the Beatitudes. It's uh, Matthew 5, where it says, that our righteousness must exceed the righteousness of the Pharisees. Uh, let's see. We read verse uh, 48. 48, be you therefore perfect as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. Then we go to verse 20. I apologize. Verse 20. I say unto you, except your righteousness exceed the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees, which is all religion, all religion, Verse 20, your righteousness must exceed the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees. You will in no case enter the kingdom of heaven. But balance that off with Second Corinthians 5.21. For he, God the Father, has made him, Christ, to be sin for us, who knew no sin. He never committed sin. That we may be made the righteousness of God in him. You see where the requirement in Matthew chapter 5, verse 20, is paid and in full and is fulfilled in full when your faith is in Jesus Christ and him crucified and when your faith is in Christ alone and Christ alone and him crucified, you now have fulfilled what Romans 6, 3 says, that you are so many of us as were baptized into Christ, were baptized into his death. Nothing to do with water. Water baptism is your way of signifying to the world what Jesus Christ has done for you. And I'm not against water baptism, but don't think water baptism can save your soul. All right. Now, let me go to Romans 8, 3, and 4 again. Talking about the man who was born again, 
by faith in Jesus Christ and him crucified. The law could not do, meaning by us obeying the law, if we could obey it, which nobody can, because it was weak through the flesh. God sent his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh, meaning he was made as in the same exact human body as the type of all of us are. He became a full man, full human. What the law could not do, me and my ability to obey the law, I can't do it. I don't have the ability to do it. Then I am in the flesh, which is weak. God had to send his own son, Jesus Christ, in the likeness of sinful flesh, which means as a human being, to do what? In order that verse 4, the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk after the, not after the flesh, but after the spirit. So it's saying in Romans 8, 3, God never gave us the ability to obey the law to become perfect. He sent his son to die on the cross in order that you and I could fulfill the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk after the Spirit. And when you're walking after the Spirit, that statement is a statement that your faith is in Jesus Christ and him alone. Let me give you the proof of that. The law of the Spirit of life in Christ has made me free from the law of sin and death. Now I'm saying, when it says in verse 4 that the righteousness of the law may be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. Walking after the spirit is walking by faith in Jesus Christ and him alone, because the Holy Spirit will only miraculously work in you when your faith is in Jesus Christ. If your faith is in Christ plus the traditions of religion you've been raised with, we're now equating religion and your ability to obey religious laws many of which are man-made, were equating that to what Jesus Christ only could do when he died on the cross for our sins. That's idolatry. The Holy Spirit cannot work miraculously in that situation. If I have faith in anything that I've done, a biblical thing even, I am elevating myself to being able to do the same thing that Christ did when he died on the cross. That is ridiculous. So when it says here, the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. Verse Romans 8.2 tells us what that walk after the spirit is. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus means when your faith is in Christ alone. When your faith is in Christ alone, add nothing, subtract nothing then you are walking in the spirit and not the flesh. The Holy Spirit cannot work miraculously in any of us if our faith is in anything in addition to Jesus Christ or added to or subtracted from. I hope this is making sense. Please, please read the verses. That's why I'm going through the the. The, the pains of my old memory, my 81-year-old or 80-plus uh, years of memory here, 
trying to research and make sure I give you the correct verses. But Romans 8, 2, it's clear. The law of the spirit of life in Christ has made me free from the law of sin and death. In Christ means that your faith is in him and him on and him dying on the cross. And that's what your faith is totally in, is what he did. When that is the fact, when you with Paul in 1 Corinthians 2, 2, make the statement that you have determined to know nothing but Jesus Christ and him crucified. When you make that statement, you are now walking in the spirit. Walking in the flesh means that you're adding something that you do or man does or a church or a denomination. No, you can't equate anything to what was done at the cross 2,000 years ago. When you do, you still could be, you're still saved as long as you don't, as long as you repent from that someday and turn back to your faith in the cross. There are untold thousands of people, millions of people who are truly born again. They're going to go to heaven. Their faith is in Christ for salvation, but they're now walking in this life by faith in what they do. Faith is in, in salvation is in Jesus Christ, but they're living in the flesh. They're Christians. Romans chapter 6 and 8 talk about that. The born-again Christian who is now walking in the flesh, he, is, he has been truly born again by faith in Christ and nothing added, nothing subtracted. If he were to die, he would go to heaven. But he is now trying to live this life by faith in something he's done. That's a Christian walking in the flesh. Let me go back to 1 Corinthians or 2 Corinthians 5. Let me go back to that. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, or chapter, my mistake. This is where I say mentally, for my age, I'm struggling. We're going to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Remember we read here that no other foundation can you lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. That's 1 Corinthians 3.11. Laying the foundation is salvation. We can lay no other foundation other than Jesus Christ and him crucified. And that's 1 Corinthians 3.11. Let me read 10. According to the grace of God, which is given to me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and another builds on it. Let every man take heed how he builds thereon. Okay, the foundation that is laid is Christ. Now I'm born again. I'm now going to live my life, living your life. You want to live your life by walking after the spirit, not the flesh. That is exactly what it says. Take heed of how you build upon it. In other words, don't build on any other foundation other than that which was laid in verse 11, meaning everything you do in your Christian life. Have your faith to join that and having your faith to please God as a Christian in nothing but his power working in you that he died on the cross to give you. When everything you are doing, after you're truly born again and saved, and if you were to die right now, you'd go to heaven. 
But be careful. Everything you build on that foundation of Christ, build it on the same foundation that your salvation is on, and that's faith in Jesus Christ. These verses together, read them, believe them, trust them. Don't believe me. Don't trust me. You trust me only as I'm leading you to faith in Jesus Christ. Now I'll go back and read Romans 8 and read 3 and 4 again, and that'll make more sense to you. What the law could not do, meaning my obeying the law, in that it was weak through the flesh, meaning my human capability. God has never even given me the ability to obey the law. He's given me the ability to have faith and trust that Jesus Christ, his own son, became a human being and died on the cross to satisfy the payment for my sin. That's what he's given me the ability to do. What the law could not do and that it was weak to the flesh, God did by sending his own son, Jesus Christ, in the likeness of sinful flesh, means as a human being, and condemned sin in the flesh. And he did that, why? So that the righteousness of the law that God has made that I must fulfill might be fulfilled in us who walk after the spirit, not after the flesh. So the righteousness of the law is fulfilled in me if my faith for everything I do from the time I'm born again is in Jesus Christ, not in me adding to it by my religious ability. Just think about this for a minute, folks, please. If I start adding anything to the foundation of salvation, which is Christ and him crucified, and my faith is in anything other than the very same thing that saved my soul, what saved my soul? My soul was saved by grace, not of works of my own, so no one could boast. We have churches today that are preaching and, and making people stand up, and everybody acknowledges these people week after week after week for the good works of the church they're doing. These people actually think that when they're building on that foundation, that those good works that they're doing, that the board, of the, the board, church board, or the pastor, or someone else gives them. No. Everything you do, I'm not saying don't do those good works. Somebody's got to clean the restrooms. Somebody's got to shovel snow. Somebody's got to cut grass. But my heaven, folks, don't lead people to believe that this is the righteousness of Christ. The righteousness of Christ comes only through one thing, and that's our faith, that our good works we're going to do are going to be through the power and the strength of Jesus Christ, who gives us miraculously the works to do because our faith is in him. When my faith is in a certain church board to give me the works of God, and I do those things, I am now equating myself in the same vein that I should that only Christ can be equated in. I can do nothing for God unless it's through the power of Jesus Christ. Nothing. Let me go again. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping this is 
it, through the scripture, folks, I'm hoping you're seeing this. I want to read 1 Corinthians 1.30. No, well, here, I'll start off. Verse 29, 1 Corinthians 1.29. No flesh should glory in his presence. Flesh means my ability, what I do. We, do, we can do two things. The same act can be done in two ways. Your faith in your ability to do it, your resolve, your commitment, your discipline, your holiness, self-righteousness, or faith in Christ alone working through you. It's your choice. I'm going to read 1 Corinthians 1, 29. No flesh should glory in his presence, but of him are you in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us righteousness, wisdom, sanctification, and redemption. But of him, God the Father, you are in Christ, who of God is made unto us wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. Do you see? We are in Christ, and when we are in Christ, our faith is in Christ, period, and nothing we do other than being obedient to God and to the leading of the Holy Spirit. When we, that is our mindset, and our faith is in Christ and him crucified, nothing plus or minus for salvation, and then our whole Christian life, 30, 40, 50 years of it, from there on in, focus on nothing but the will of God and the work of God by the strength of the power of Jesus Christ in you to do the good works. Because it says here, of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who of God has made unto us wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. You see where, again, that First Corinthians uh, chapter 3 Verse 11, let no man build on any other foundation, 10 and 11. Not, not, verse 11 says, don't lay any other foundation other than Jesus Christ and him crucified. 10 says, let no man build on any other foundation than the same foundation of salvation, which is your faith in Christ alone. That is walking in the spirit against walking in the flesh. Walking in the flesh is a person who is totally trusting in Jesus Christ for a Christian. He's saved, but everything he's doing, he's depending on his power, his strength, his knowledge. Now, what kind of works are you going to do? That's a very good question. I will answer that because I've asked myself that. I'm going to go to Second Timothy. Or I'm going to start with Ephesians chapter 2, and I'm going to read 8 and 9, which is salvation, and 10 is where I'm going to get into the heart of this. By grace you are saved through faith, not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man to boast. Now, let's, we've got verse 8 and 9. The person who is truly saved by faith, by grace, excuse me. They're saved by grace through faith, not of works of their own. It's a gift of God, 
not of works lest any man can boast. That person is truly born again. We are now his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God has before ordained that we should walk in them. God has foreordained that we should walk in certain works. God has done it. Don't go to man to see what your spiritual gifts are. Pray to God. Don't go to man to see what the works of chapter uh, of, of Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10 are. We are his workmanship, created in Christ to do good works. When you are now trusting in any of your ability to do the good works that God has preordained for you to do before the worlds were formed, you are now working in the flesh if you're not trusting in that same foundation of 1 Corinthians 3.10 that was laid, which was for salvation. That same foundation is what you've got to build your entire Christian life on. It's his power working in you because your faith is in Christ, not in anything you do. Let me go to Titus chapter 2. And I'm going to read verse 11 and verse 14. And I want you to be sure that you connect this with Ephesians 2, 8, 9, and then 10. So we're going to go to Titus 2, 11 and start off at the same place. Salvation. Verse 11 of chapter 2 of Titus. The grace of God brings salvation has appeared to all men. That right now, right there, I've had people that I know that have said to me they were never called by God. Let me read you what the Bible says. Inspired every word, the Holy Spirit inspired it. The grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to every man. You don't believe it? You believe it? That's up to you. The Bible says the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to every man, all men. Okay. Verse 14. In fact, I'll read 13 because we got pronouns in 14. Looking for that blessed hope and glorious appearing of the great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, Jesus Christ, that he might redeem us from all iniquity. See, he gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity. Jesus Christ, that's back to the cross. Your faith is in nothing but Jesus Christ and him crucified because only he can redeem you from iniquity. And you can't go to heaven without with sin, unforgiven sin. It can't be done. And the only way it's forgiven is through your faith in Christ. And we read that in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30. Remember, it says in Christ, in fact, let me get it to you again. It says, but of him you are in Christ, who of God is made unto you wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. Without your faith in Jesus Christ and him crucified alone, there is no redemption. There is only hell for all eternity. So I go back to Titus 2.13 again, looking for that blessed hope. And the glorious appearing of God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, 
that he might redeem us. He redeemed us from all iniquity and to purify unto himself a peculiar people zealous of good works. So you see where Titus 2.14 and Ephesians 2.10, that in Christ, his power working in us, just as he redeemed us from our sin, he, he, he forgave us our sin, he cleansed us from our sin by what he did on the cross. He is now also, it says in Titus 2.14, he is purifying for himself a peculiar people zealous of good works. Those are the works that he has predestined us to do that Ephesians 2.10 says. Now let me go to 2 Timothy, or 1 Timothy 1.7. Please, folks, please refer to the Bible. Please refer to that. Nothing that Carl says, you only take the verses down that I say and you read the Bible and make sure that you understand what the scripture is saying. I promise you one thing. I will not give you without very, very explicit warning. I do not give you opinions. I'm going to give you what the scripture says. I'm not adding my my read on it, my interpretation, my agenda, my church's agenda, my denomination's agenda, because I'm not a member of a church or denomination. I'm not saying that's wrong. We're going to go to the book of First Timothy. Just bear with me. No, Second Timothy. Again, you've got to just realize that I'm closer to 81 than 80, and I, 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 I obviously make these mistakes. I know it's annoying to you. And it would be to me, too. It's annoying to me as I hear myself, but I'm just, I'm, I've been getting worse as time is going on. But we're going to go back. I want you to equate Ephesians 2.10, Ephesians 2.10, that we are created in Christ Jesus to do good works that he predestined us to do. What are these works? Listen to them. When were they predestined for us to do? When did this happen? When did God in his mind give us the works that we would do if we followed Jesus Christ and our faith was in him alone? Second Timothy 1.9, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace. In other words, his works, which was given us in Christ before the world began. You see, that's exactly, when it says given to you in Christ, that's exactly what walking in the Spirit is. Because when you are doing any work, and you are doing that work, and trusting in the power of Jesus Christ in you to do that work, not your ability, not your religiosity, not your religion, your denomination, not your agenda, not your strength, not your self-righteousness, but you're depending on the power of Jesus Christ and him crucified, the foundation that was laid for your salvation. You're depending on that foundation and you're building on that, on no other foundation other than Jesus Christ and him crucified. You are now walking in the spirit. Walking in the spirit 
is exactly for the good works you're doing. And those good works, it says in 2 Timothy 1.9, that Ephesians 2.10 said were preordained for us to follow. It says here, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ before the world began. Anybody in your churches or teacher like me who is telling you the good works you should do and they come up with a list of things that you're to do, folks, that is horrible. Heresy. Pray to God. Ask him what are the good works. God himself says here in the in the second Timothy verse second Timothy chapter one verse nine. God who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works or any man's work that he gives you, but according to his own purpose and grace which was given us in Christ before the world began. That's exactly the the good works that Ephesians 2.10 says we're to do in Christ, and Titus 2.14 says, praying to God for him to show you the works you're to do. And you're praying for him to show you the spiritual gifts that he has given you. And everybody who is a believer, folks, has one or more spiritual gifts. I'm going to say, I'm going to say, and the Bible never says, They only have one. I'm going to say the spiritual gifts. I've never seen a person who had gifts or talked about the gifts. I've never seen in the scripture where it's only one. But there is one fact that is clear. If you're born again, you have a spiritual gift. That spiritual gift is a spiritual supernatural power that God gives to believers who are trusting in Jesus Christ and him alone to have the same power that saves them when they die, that same power to work in them to do the good works that Ephesians 2.10.1.9 talk about. If you follow what we've been talking about, you now are getting the distinction between works in the flesh and walking in the flesh or walking in the spirit. Let me give you another example. You and I can both do the same thing. You're doing it because you believe what it says in 1 Corinthians 3, 10. Let every man take heed that he build on no other foundation than that which is laid, which is Christ. Building on is the good works of Ephesians 2, 10 and Titus 2, 14. You do one thing. And you're doing it in Jesus Christ and his power working in you to do the good works that he's given you. I am doing the same thing that you're doing, but I'm doing it because, after all, I obey more commandments than you do. I go to communion more often than you do. I speak in tongues than you don't. I've been baptized in water and you haven't. Anything that puts the faith and trust back in anything I do. We both do the same thing. Which one do you think God is going to accept? That's a rhetorical question. Okay. I have basically covered where I wanted to get to today. And uh, we have... We have exhausted that particular... It's taken me all this time page of notes I've gotten. I've probably got four or five pages. 
Okay, next week we're going to continue with the cross of Christ, and I'm going to do nothing, folks, but give you scripture. And have I ever got scripture for this? We've got about five pages. I don't think I'll be done with this till summer. Doing it one hour and 20 minutes a week. Okay. I thank you folks for listening. I do. I thank the individual who was, uh, I have here that a uh, internet call and I tried to receive the call. I was not able to, but they've stayed on the line the entire time. And I appreciate that. And uh, I will be back Lord willing. Uh, and I mean that because I heard a sermon today and it says we're not guaranteed the next breath, no less what we're going to do next tomorrow or later today or next week. My intention is to come back and I'm going to give you every one of these verses that I have found that relate to the cross of Jesus Christ. There is nothing more important that I could ever say to you or apply to me than to maintain your faith in Jesus Christ and him crucified plus nothing minus nothing. Thank you for listening to me and I appreciate it. And Holy Spirit, I want to thank you for giving me the words to explain these verses and to give people a spiritual meaning because I as a human being cannot even give myself the understanding of the words, nor can I give myself the spiritual meaning you want me to have right here and now today. And I know for everyone who listens to your word that you have a custom design thing they need to see in that verse. Every verse can have many different parts to accentuate, and the Holy Spirit is the only one that can do that. I can't do it. Truthfully, I should have prayed before we started for the Holy Spirit to give me the wisdom on how to explain the verses and what to say, but to give every one of us, including myself, the spiritual wisdom we all need because we're all in different walks in our faith in Christ. Okay, again, folks, thank you for the last hour and uh, 27 minutes. I do appreciate it. I'll talk to you next week. Thank you. With the Lucky Land Plus, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.